A successful retirement plan begins with assembling the right set of tools. Finding the proper ones for the job will allow you to drill down on your goals and nail down your future. Scott Searles, certified wealth strategist and owner of Skybox Financial Group, constructs retirement plans for clients every day and will share that knowledge and insight with you. It's time to open the retirement toolbox and get to work. Hey, it's another edition of the Retirement Toolbox. I'm Walter Sturholt alongside Scott Searles, financial advisor, president at Skybox Financial Group, serving you throughout the greater Cleveland area, but also based in Bradenton, Florida from time to time. Whenever it gets cold, you'll find Scott down in Florida pretty much. That's That's right. That's how that works, isn't it, Scott? That's how you schedule (laughs) all your appointments. Hey, it looks like it's going to be cold on uh, January 13th. How about we meet for a meeting in Florida? Yeah, it doesn't always work out that way. <laughs> In an ideal world, perhaps that's how exactly. It would be. Okay, well, uh, if you want to talk to Scott, you can go to talktoscott.com. That's where you can schedule a free consult to chat a little bit about your financial life, your goals, how to accomplish them, and uh, all planning topics involved. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be talking about making smart decisions during major life events. So something big goes on in your life. How do you make smart decisions during those times when your emotions are probably off the charts and you've got some really big things you've got to make decisions on? Um, We're going to talk a little bit about what those conversations look like between Scott and his clients on the show today to give you a little peek behind the planning curtain, if you will. We've also got a great question coming up from Mary on today's show. A little preview of that one. Mary had kids later in life than most people, and uh, she's got kids heading to college, even though she's in her 60s already. And so she's got some questions about all of that and how it relates to retirement planning. So it should be fun to talk about all of that on the show today. Uh, Scott, we're recording this uh, just a couple of days before your favorite holiday, Thanksgiving, on the way. By the time this releases, you'll still be probably walking around with an undone top button on your pants uh, from the uh, great food that you're going to be consuming over the next couple of days. That's that's what Thanksgiving's all about, right? I mean, uh, I'm smoking a turkey and and, uh, I love it. It's good times. You got the uh, family all coming over and getting together and uh, you're going to be the place to be in Cleveland, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, usually a line out front to get into the house, uh, you know. But we we're gonna start charging admission for I was our gonna Thanksgiving say, you meals. Could, you could monetize yeah. this based on how epic your Thanksgivings sound. <laughs> hey, they're a lot of fun. We get the whole family there, twenty something people, and uh, you know, just uh, ink, drink and watch football, and um, you know, obviously eat the big Thanksgiving feast. I love it. All right, I, we know the turkey's big. What's your favorite side? So, boy, you know that that's a tough one. I've got you know I'm I kind of lean to the plain old easy stuff like stuffing is probably my favorite side. That my wife's stuffing is super good, but you know there's a sweet green bean casseroles right up there too. Oh, that's Con- I think that's Connie's favorite. She loves she yeah. loves green bean casserole. Yeah, that's it. And we only have it once a year. It's like you know yeah. everybody loves it, but why don't we make it any other time of year? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. <laughs> I, I think it's good. I don't really have any cravings for green bean casserole. It's not not. I wouldn't say it's not my favorite. I think you're right about the stuffing, though. You get some good stuffing like that. Mm-hmm. Stuffing can either either be overrated or underrated, right? Like it just that one really depends. It can be either the best thing on the table or it can be like, oh yeah, that was a waste of calories. <laughs> it just depends on the recipe. I think you're absolutely right. And uh, you know, you get and the thing with Thanksgiving is you have your your plates only so big, right? Even if you get bigger plates. And uh, 
you you either have to go back for seconds or pile up in order to kind of get a little taste of everything. And then you have something that you like more than something else and you end up not getting something else, you know, that you haven't tried before or something or Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of decisions to be made during Thanksgiving dinner. Lots of decisions to make. We yes. specifically, and then we'll move on to our uh, topic for the day, we specifically made, uh, not made, but got plates for Thanksgiving. I'm sure we're not the only people who have done that. But we got these big gold plates for Thanksgiving. They're enormous. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, you don't need to go back for seconds. You'll just fill it all up in this one shot, and you'll be you'll be good to go. So, wow, we need something like that. Yeah, yeah. They were really, really cheap, too. So they were easy to store throughout the year, didn't take up a ton of space, but they're nice and sturdy, and they're reusable, and they're great when you have a whole bunch of guests over i don't know we probably got them on amazon or something like that but right no we should look into that it's a good idea yeah extra big plates well have a great holiday enjoy it my friend and uh, we'll look forward to hearing uh in in a couple of episodes how uh, it all turned out and um can't wait to hear how the turkey uh came to fruition this year hopefully all goes smoothly for you and everybody enjoys it i'm looking forward to it i'm sure there will be deep conversations had around the thanksgiving table for many families across the country in the greater cleveland area scott and so uh, perhaps they'll be even addressing some of these big life events, both good and bad. And uh, what kinds of decisions do you need to be making when you go through this period of time in your life? Well, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to explore some of the things that you should be thinking about to make smart financial decisions when you encounter some of the most significant events in your life. And so we have five significant events to talk about. Scott, I'm hoping you can just kind of tell us a little bit about what are the conversations looking like when you talk with clients about these things, both before they happen and then also Mm -hmm. if you're meeting with somebody while they're maybe going through a particular event like this. So one big one, a job change, right? Like uh, a few things can be as disruptive to our lives than a job change for whatever the reason may be. Right. And, you know, and there's a lot of variables, all of these different events. There's so many different variables that that go into play in a, a job change. So, I mean, obviously, it could be a job change where you're staying in your same town, or there could be a job change where you have to move to a different city or a different state. Those are different conversations. So, a lot of the times, clients will come in and saying, hey, I'm thinking about making this job change. If it is something that's here in town, we talk about you know, the financial impact, obviously, if they're going to make some more money, which a lot of people... You know, you do make more money mostly when you make job changes. Not a lot of people make a job change and say, boy, I really like this job, but I'm going to like make less money. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but mostly you're staying the same or you're making a little bit more money. And then we talk about the, uh, you know, the, the 401k, and that's more after. Say, so, you know, we're going to have to handle your retirement plans. We talk about the benefits and things like that previously but if someone's looking to move out of state there's a it's a much broader conversation okay so we got to sell the house we got to look at buying a new one how much is uh you know how's the cost of living where you're moving if you're moving into new york city for those people living in new york city you know what i'm talking about it's expensive to live there out in california so you know even though you get more money what's the actual you know, how's your lifestyle going to be? How are you going to be able to afford to live the way you are now? And, and is it going to work? So there's those types of variables that get much more in depth when you're looking to actually move to a different state. And of course, the retirement plan, making sure we have an HSA with the new company, are we going to fund the HSA, getting the benefits all set up on either one of those jobs is, is a conversation that you need to think about and that we have those conversations about. 
I think that's a really good um, way to kind of kick off this conversation because those job changes do bring up a lot of complications but aren't always a bad thing. And so that's one where we kind of have a lot of different directions that that can go in. Unfortunately, not all of our major life events are like that. Uh, some of them, you know, are really tough to go through. And so the second one that we have to discuss is a divorce. And we know that that's more and more common these days when you mm-hmm. look at the stats. Scott, I'm sure it's something that you've unfortunately seen from clients or people that come in to meet with you for the first time and hear their stories. Uh, this is no longer, um, you know, an every once in a while thing that you encounter. Pretty frequent, right? Yeah. You know, and I'll have people that will come in before they're getting divorced, sometimes you know, they they know that saying, hey, we're going to get divorced. And then we walk through some of the, you know, the financial implications. But not all divorces are, you know, are nice and, and fuzzy and, and both sides don't always agree. Those are the ones that could be a little bit more difficult. I just had a client in here a couple of days ago. Uh, she became a client of mine after her divorce. She was referred from her CPA to me. And we set up a plan for her, and one of the issues that people need to be aware of is that a lot of the times in a divorce, you're going to be splitting up your assets, and you're going to have maybe a lot of retirement money. Well, in her particular case, we had a conversation saying, okay, you don't want to take all retirement money because anytime you spend that money, you're going to have a penalty. I mean, you're going to have to pay taxes on it. And you could have a penalty if you were under 59 and a half and you started to utilize that money. So you need to have that balance of having after, you know, pre-tax 401k money and then regular bank account after-tax money that you can use to help fund yourself. And then you have to have the conversations about where's your income coming from, is there alimony, things like that. So there are a lot of decisions that go into you know, uh, getting divorced. And if you're thinking about it, I encourage you to meet with an advisor and just kind of see if if it is an amicable, I can't say that word. The uh, What am I trying to say here? Uh, amicable. There you go. There you go. It's one of those words that I just can't say. I'm really good at math, but I don't <laughs> talk well. If that's the case, then it's easy. You can sit down with somebody and kind of work out what's going to be best for both sides. Uh, But if it's not, then it gets a little bit more sticky. But you definitely need to get a financial advisor involved early. A lot of the times with with clients that uh, that I have had that have gotten divorced, you know, they usually they will get different financial advisors because they don't want that kind of conflict of interest. And I wouldn't take both of them in that type of situation either, because I just don't think how I could give you know, there'd be that perception of not having fair advice to each one of them, especially if, if it is a more contentious divorce and they they can't come to any types of of conclusions. So Definitely get some financial advice when it comes to divorce, but you got to think about the retirement plans, where your income's going to come from, all those types of factors when you go through that divorce. It's a, it's a really tough thing to go through, obviously, but um, and it's really hard to make decisions when your emotions are all over the place, like they often are when you're going through something like that. And that, unfortunately, is a common theme for a lot of these. Whenever these major life events happen, good or bad, our emotions can uh, lead us astray and, and cause us to have lots of different, um, you know, takeaways. Uh, maybe make us make decisions that we otherwise wouldn't make if we, you know, didn't have those emotions kind of running amok. Let's talk about another 
scenario. We've got some other tough ones to cross over here in a little bit, but uh, maybe a, a silver lining in some cases when there is a death in the family can be an inheritance that someone receives. That can be a great blessing. That's a major life event because not often, Scott, do we get some sort of like lump sum payment and have to deal with it. So it's, it's one of those things we go through in life where we don't have a lot of previous experience to work off of. Right. And you made a very good point earlier, Walter, is that these are all emotional events in our lives, whether it is changing jobs, divorces, inheritance, or deaths. Those are all emotional. And you need to sometimes kind of slow down and and pull the reins back on the horse a bit and just work through the process and try not to make emotional decisions. And that's why sometimes having that third party in there kind of gives you a different lens to look through and help you make those non-emotional decisions. And with an inheritance, when when you, a lot of times people will know they have inheritance coming and we're able to plan for that ahead of time. And sometimes that's with maybe assuming it's coming from their parents, that we can look at doing some things on the parent's side to make sure that that inheritance runs smoothly for them. Like, for instance, Roth conversions and minimized taxes, insurance to cover any type of estate taxes, if those come into play. So, you know, making sure we've got the legal documents and and things like that in place. So sometimes we know that inheritance is coming and, and we can work with the parents in order to make sure that that's going to you know, be as smooth as possible. But a lot of the times you get... Most people don't plan for inheritances ahead of time. They just happen. It's like, uh, you know, you know, mom passed away. We really never knew how much money she had. Now all of a sudden we have a million dollars. It's all in a retirement account. We don't know what to do. These are things you need to tread very lightly too because there's tax implications and and investment implications that you need to take you need to consider. A lot of the times maybe you'll inherit an IRA and there's different rules there. Or maybe it's a Roth IRA, different rules there. It depends on if you inherit it from a brother or sister, for instance. You know, the rules are different when you're within 10 years of age of the person that passes away, as opposed to if you're more than 10 years away in age from the person that passes away. The rules and the laws and everything are completely different. So you need to take your time, make sure you've got everything all set up. And then also sometimes when you have that inheritance, you're also handling the estate of that person. And there's other complications in there too, not only from a tax standpoint, but also from a, from an investment standpoint. So yeah, you need to just slow down and, and make sure that you get some help, especially dealing with retirement accounts or dealing with residential property. I have a client I'm working with right now. I'm working with the mother and the daughter are both clients of mine, and she has got a bunch of rental properties. She's got three different apartment buildings, and we've got a lot of tax issues there, and the daughter doesn't want to inherit these buildings. She's like, I don't want to deal with this. What am I going to do? i got enough things on my plate now. So we're, we're trying to come through that process where we can look at kind of getting things set up so that they could that cash and maybe or maybe not the buildings would pass 
to their beneficiaries in the smoothest way possible. So there's a lot of things to think about. Yeah, I think that's great, Scott. And it's something that, um, you know, when you talk about an inheritance, it can be a blessing, but we want to handle it the right way. You want to make the most out of that out of that opportunity that somebody's passed along to you and want to make really smart decisions there. So I think that's a good lesson for all of these, right? No, try not to make any knee-jerk reactions to any of these. Mm-hmm. Now, this next one on the list, remember we're covering five major life events on the show today. This one is the least uh, sudden, perhaps, uh, at least in, in most cases, I would imagine. You see this one coming, at least, but it's still a major life event, so it falls into this category, and that would be becoming an empty nester. This can be a really tough yeah. transition for some folks from the emotional side, but then there's also financial elements to this as well. I'll never forget, I came home from college for the first time, and uh, my room had already been flipped upside down, changed. It was a guest <laughs> room, and it was had a whole different theme. All my stuff was moved out, and either up in the, up in the attic, anything remaining, was it was gone. I was a guest coming back to the house <laughs> right after college. <laughs> my parents were like, this is great. We can go back, and, and that's an extra room we can use, and fantastic. This is, they they that empty nester transition very well. <laughs> they were ready to get rid of you, Walter. I, I guess why. so. Mom was real sad like the first day, but then I think by the time they got home after the drive, she'd gotten all her emotions out, and then they were like, hmm, all right, well, now we have a lot of freedom again. This is kind of cool. And so they, they very quickly discovered how nice it was to have an empty house again. <laughs> they stopped and bought storage tubs on the way home. Yes, they were They were ready to roll. I don't think it, I think it might have been that first weekend after uh, they dropped me off, they were already transitioning that room over, so... That's funny. But, you know, when, when, when you become an empty nester, yeah, they're obviously the emotions, good and bad, and a mixed emotions when, when your children are out of the house. And, you know, obviously, as we know, they have a tendency to come back, too. Um, so I've got my two daughters have graduated college, and they're back living at home, but they're, you know, saving money. They have real jobs, and, you know, I'm fine with that. But, Sometimes a lot of people, when you become empty nesters, your your expenses are going to drop a little bit and they kind of get into, hey, it's time to get caught up on saving for my retirement. And there's a lot of truth to that because maybe your expenses drop a little bit. You're able to do a little bit more travel, though, maybe sometimes at the same time, too. You travel a little bit more. You do more things yourself. So sometimes those expenses go up. So I think when this major life change, one of the things you need to take a look at is how are my expenses going to be impacted? Uh, How is my savings going to be impacted? And how can I change and adjust now in order to make sure I'm going to meet my long-term goals later on down the road? Because you don't want to be all of a sudden saying, okay, kids are out. You know, we're traveling all around the world and we're doing this and, uh, you know, you shortcut your retirement goals. And at the same time, maybe you you don't want to say, all right, well, my expenses have changed a lot and I'm going to, you know, start saving more in my retirement plan. And then you actually, you don't have enough cash flow to do the things that you want to do. So there's a little bit of a balance there. And then, you know, some people decide maybe they want to downgrade their house when their kids are out. And, And that's actually very common, too. Uh, so a lot of changes and a lot of things to think about when you when you become empty nesters. Certainly. Uh, a huge amount of things pop up when that happens. So use that as an opportunity for sure to get everything in line. All right. Last but not least, we saved the hard one for the end. So I don't know why we did that, Scott. Um, uh, th- maybe that wasn't a smart decision as we sit here and talk about smart decisions during major life events. But it's an important one. And unfortunately, it's all going to happen. It's reality. Uh, we're going to have the death of a spouse, most likely, that we have to encounter in our planning. And this is a tough thing to talk about in advance 
Scott, but it's even tougher to talk about if you didn't plan for it in advance and, and even more complicated. What do these conversations look like from a planning standpoint? Well, I think the key to this one is plan, 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 plan. I know everybody that I work with that, that when we go through our, our financial you know, strategies and setting up a financial plan for them is that we cover estate planning. The reason is, is because we want to make sure we've got all the accounts set up right. We want to make sure we've got insurance to cover the other spouse, to make sure that if we lose a pension, there's going to be money there to help supplement. So making sure we've got powers of attorney and all the different legal documents in place, because, you know, though not many tax implications from the death of a spouse, you, you want this to run as smooth as possible. And it's never going to be smooth. And one thing I always tell people is I'll get calls saying, you know, my spouse has passed away or sometimes the kids call me and I'd say first thing is there's nothing you need to do this moment. Just, you know, you don't need to do anything right now. Just get, you know, work through the funeral, get yourself in a spot where you feel comfortable and then you know, you can come in and we can talk about it because there's nothing you, you don't need to go rushing and doing anything right away so you know take your time heal yourself as best you can and then we'll start to work on some of the financial things because if you had all the planning done in place ahead of time it's going to be a smooth transition from a financial standpoint Obviously, there's adjustments in, in life that, that you're going to have to, to deal with by losing your spouse. But the key to that one is to plan, plan, plan ahead of time. Okay, very good. There you have it, making smart decisions during major life events. Some of the conversations to have, some of the things to consider. Uh, make sure that you're having these conversations. That's really what this all boils down to. Talk about it with your significant other. Talk about it with your advisor. And that helps everybody get on the same page and know the plan forward for when these sometimes good but also sometimes bad things happen in our lives, these major events, we're prepared for them. If you want to talk to Scott a little bit more about your particular situation and how indeed you can put together some of these uh, some of these plans, some of these goals that you have for your future and how you can plan for these big life events, uh, go to TalkToScott.com and you can schedule a time to visit. It's that easy. TalkToScott.com. We'll link to that in the show notes of today's program, so check that out there. You can also call Scott at 888-742-0111. That's 888-742-0111. Hey, more coming up on the show today. We're going to get to know Scott a little bit better next, and we've got a good listener question from Mary coming up to end the program. All that and more straight ahead here on the Retirement Toolbox. It's getting to know you time. All right, our getting to know you question this episode, Scott, has to do with um, having a, a remote. We're not talking about TV watching on the show today. I'm talking if you had a remote for your life. Did you ever watch the movie Click? Yeah, I love that Adam, movie. Adam Sandler. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So he starts now. I think he only goes one way. He can only fast forward. So he fast forwards through like all the boring stuff in life, and it gets him in trouble because then it starts skipping ahead through a whole bunch of like really important things in his life. Anyway, goes. Hopefully, I didn't spoil it for somebody. But go go see it and check it out. It's it's a cool little movie. I think. Yeah. Um, so my question for you though is, if you had that remote, would you rather have a pause button or a rewind button? in your life. So don't worry about fast forward, but pause or rewind. Those are your two choices. Uh, I would, I think I'd have to go with rewind. Yeah. 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 Because you know, 
you know, as my wife reminds me all the time, I always do and say stupid stuff. So I could always rewind and confirm that you said the stupid stuff. (laughs) Wait. Yeah. Well, wait, there's a commercial so that it's are a great out now. commercial. It's a great commercial. Yes. Where where they do the replay. All right, instant replay. Yeah, where they're arguing about did you forget the tent? Did, did no, you pack you the know. pillows or something? Yeah. And she's like, "No, you said I'm going to pack the pillows." And yeah, they look at the video, they go and they look at the instant replay, and she's like, "I really like the part where you said, "Of course I'm going to pack the pillows." <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's a perfect example. So let's say you get there and you didn't pack the pillows. You could rewind and pack the pillows. And there you go. Oh, so you want a rewind good. button where you can actually, like a time travel, you want to be able to go back and actually change the past. Oh, oh, so I'm just going to rewind and watch myself? I yeah, think yeah, so. Was, yeah, this is this. Okay. Is, you can't change right. the past. You can just go oh, back wow. and look. I mean, so it's a it's a remote. It's not a time machine. You're just going back, and you're able to you're able to hit rewind and go look at your life previously. Okay. Well, no, I wouldn't want to rewind then and watch the stupid stuff I did. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So only that, if you that, had the ability to change it. Yeah. I mean, like I'm rewinding. Like I'm going back, and okay. you know, I, I'm think. Like I keep thinking of like a the DVR on the TV of the rewind, right? You rewind, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you're in real life there, and you just change what you do next time. Nope, not this As, time. You're just oh, okay. looking. You're just All looking. Right. Yeah. All right. So then, what the what would the use of the pause be? That everybody around you pauses and yeah, you get think, to do stuff. So think Save by the Bell, right? Remember in Save by the Bell, Zach Morris would go time out, and everything would pause. Then you could you could hit the pause button, but you don't have to really stay paused. So like you can oh, still see this is totally different. You now. can still maneuver. You can think about okay. what your next move is, all that kind of stuff. All right. Well, I would totally pause. Yeah. And and then I would be in a. I I would go with pause. Then then yeah. I could pause, evaluate the situation, then start playing again, mm-hmm. and then make the best decisions i could after i analyze the situation there you go you can make your better choices without having to go back and change them because you can pause in the moment evaluate and then go forward. correct yeah that's where i'm gonna go with it would also give you the confidence like think of all the more confidence that you would have just in life being able to pause and think things through or like you'd never be afraid of getting in a fight right because if you got in right. a fight you'd be able to pause right before you got hit move and then you know resume and then boom yeah, absolutely. not that I think constantly about getting in a fight with someone, but that scenario just came to my to my brain. <laughs> yeah, no, I I like it. I like it. Uh, it'd be great. Yeah, I always thought that was fun and Saved by the Bell when Zach would go timeout and then you know re- resume after he'd sort of uh, evaluated what was going on and figured it yeah, out. Yeah, I don't know if I remember that. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was, that was a common thing in Saved by the Bell. That was more, I guess, my my generation would be Saved by the Bell fans, and that was his thing. He'd pause and say, "All right." Hold on. Now let's think about it. And then he'd address the audience. He'd break the, what do they call that? Breaking the fourth wall or whatever that is. Okay. And he'd address, address the camera and the audience, like giving his take on the situation, what he could do. Then he'd be like, all right, time in. And then everything would resume again. Absolutely. Okay. I get it. I get yeah. it. I'm good. Yeah. Um, in any event. All right. So I think we'd both go with pause in this case. Okay. Fantastic. Yep. All right. Uh, good evaluation there. Let's uh, get one of our listener questions onto the docket today. We've got a good one here from Mary. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. All right. So Mary says, I had kids later in life than most people. So I'm almost 60 and my twin boys will be heading to college in a few months. 
I really want them to be able to finish college without any huge student loans, but I'm not sure that I can pay for both of them to get through school without hurting myself financially. I'd like to retire eventually, after all. Which thing should I place a higher priority on, their education or my retirement? You know what, Mary, this is a great question, and I get this all the time. And what I say is I've never been aware of any loans you can take out to fund your retirement. Mm. But there are loans available that you could use for short-term funding to handle any of the education expenses. So let's say that you know your kids are in college, you get some loans, uh, depending on your situation, different types of loans, rates, whatever the case may be, but then you can help them pay it off over time without having to sacrifice your retirement, if that's what you choose to do. But if it gets to a point where, hey, you can't fund your retirement, you can always pull off a little bit on the payments and loans, but it gives you flexibility. You don't want to take money out of your 401k plan and, and fund paying for college because you can't get that money back in the 401k plan. But if you got a loan and then maybe started to take withdrawals out of the 401k later on and still have the balance of it growing and, and help make those payments, whatever, that would probably be a better solution financially than just going and paying for that thing and putting yourself behind the eight ball. That's a great point and a really good question, Mary. Thanks for sending that one in to us. It's interesting that you get that question a lot these days, Scott. Is it because people had kids later in life? Is that usually the situation they're running into? Or is it more so just it, it doesn't even have to be college. It could just be wanting to help the kids in lots of different ways, maybe with that down, down payment on a house or something like that. Well, it is in a lot of different ways because let's face it. I mean, college is super expensive now. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, I mean, I mean I've got three kids that I, mean, I still have one in college two that are out and one that's you would gonna know go in. my friend you would so, know right. that's right so it's brutal right but you know not only do you have to remember you know the kids they're going to when i was in college i worked through college but my parents still helped me out i wasn't able to work enough to be able to you know totally maintain myself but you've got the cost of books apartments you know living expenses groceries on top of the cost of college so it's very expensive and i think parents they want to help out they don't want to saddle their kids with that debt to start out especially nowadays i mean it's tough job markets are tough you know people just want to you know get their kids in the best spot not that they didn't used to before but i think times have changed it's a little bit more difficult to be a 23 year old kid in today's environment yeah, we always hear the uh, the you know kind of the old school like oh well, it, you kids have it easy these days. I had to walk up you know uphill both ways to school, fifteen miles in the snow, and you've you know you've got it easy these days. But there are some elements that I think are a little tougher to navigate for today's generation, and uh, college is definitely one of those arenas that's mm -hmm. uh, it's just tough. So it's a really yeah. tough thing. So, Mary, you're not alone in that struggle. And uh, the best advice that I can give you is to call Scott and talk about that in detail. If anybody else is going through that decision-making process, hey, how do I help out my kids? How do I support them in positive ways while not harming myself and my, my own future? Um, all really big, important questions. And all of those things usually can get a pretty good answer when you go through a true planning process 
for your retirement and your financial future. And that's what you can do with Scott. You can go through and get the worry-free retirement blueprint that maps out exactly how to plan for your financial future and retirement. You can get that by calling 888-742-0111 or by going online to schedule a free consult at talktoscott.com. That's talktoscott.com, and we'll put the contact info in the description of today's show for you. Well, Scott, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for all the help, and uh, we'll look forward to chatting with you again soon. I love it, Walter. Have a good one. That's Scott Searles. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on the Retirement Toolbox. Go Browns. Investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.